0: hello everyone and welcome back to a pint with peter an informative and somewhat comedy podcast where i sit down with my dad and we try to bridge the intergenerational gap i nailed it that time didn't i i'm back on form now i probably should have introduced the podcast this time as a half a pint with peter because we didn't do as long as a recording session so i didn't have as much as material as i normally do to work with but what is left over is still an interesting chat and who am i to deny you peter's musings we left last week's episode bitching about the world of modern art but we're going to go back on track now at the start of this episode and continue my dad's chat with what bands he saw at the mother's club there are some interesting names in there so definitely worth a listen well everyone i hope you're keeping warm in these colder months and let's get back to it
1: The gig, I I saw the Who play, I mean, it was was incredible. It was incredible, because what would happen, it was far less fancy. The band would just kind of emerge from the dressing room, stumble up onto stage, and, and basically, stagecraft, I think, was very, very basic. There'd be a mumbled introduction if you were lucky, and then they'd just literally rip into it. And it was an incredible... It was like a wall of sound. You had... Um, the drummer was called Keith Moon. Have you heard of Keith yeah. Moon? I mean, he. I'm going to have a whole, well, not a whole podcast, but a part of a podcast about, 27th um, Twenty Seven Club, you know, casualties. There was no way that guy was going to see thirty. Put it like that, and a lot of the notorious footage of him, the Who, is you'd see him coming onto stage and maybe fall off the stage. You know, before they'd even played. You, you, the drummer was absolutely exceptional the guitarist was exceptional pete townsend he's the one who perfected this you know windmilling your arms oh, around yeah, yeah. making those poses i mean it was there before with chuck berry and people like that but he he really it was so energetic i mean i guess it was aggressive if if i'm absolutely honest it was aggressive it was energetic it was pounding and they had, again, an outstanding lead singer. His big thing was whirling the mic around. So you put it all together. You, it, was, it was an amazing act. And uh, when I saw them, which was early doors, when they were still young and enthusiastic, they did it with real feeling and meant it. Later on, it became just part of the act. They smashed all the equipment up. So the drums were flying, the, the guitar was broken into, blah, blah and the whole act finished with smashed equipment and feedback mm-hmm. you know the atmospherics of it were absolutely incredible but later you know the who when i saw them thank god they a little later it could have even been when i saw them they didn't play it thank god they they created what was called a rock opera Do you know what the rock opera was called it was called tommy have you ever heard of it, it was made no, into a made, sure. made into a film as well and um I was watching an interview with Pete Townsend and uh, he was saying, I, I, can't, I wrote it down, talk about pretentious. This rock opera, if you don't know about it, it, it you know, the big idea behind it was a deaf, dumb and blind kid who played pinball. Probably it's probably in there in, the in, in your memory yeah. somewhere. A deaf, dumb and blind kid sure played a main pinball. (laughs) You'll know it. I mean, how crap is that, to be be quite honest with you? And Pete Townsend, when he was being interviewed, to me, is, is a naff, really naff idea. He said... I guess I'm expressing the deeply felt spirituality of the age. I mean, Jesus, you know, it's about a deaf, dumb and blind kid. And I, I thought to myself, was this kid in a kind of sensory deprivation tank? Do you know what I mean? But le- but um, around that time, they played Monterey, they played Woodstock, and they, they were one of the first bands to really break big in the States. And... Um, But later, I'm not sure if they played live. Maybe they were asked but didn't play. The drummer died pretty early doors. A little later, John Bonham died. And it's all kind of drug and drink related. But uh, the other band I saw a little bit later actually drew on the who i tell you on the few occasions where i've met americans who uh, are really into their music and they're really really knowledgeable they find it absolutely remarkable that you would have seen the who i would have seen led zeppelin and they love it when you can talk about seeing hendrix you know particularly when i I would have seen his last performance at the isle of wine but led zeppelin ditto all mate you know all coming together all extremely talented and and again with a really charismatic front person the guitarist they had was jimmy page and a lot of these guys, a lot of the leading guitarists played for the yardbirds remember i've probably mentioned yeah, yeah, the yardbirds yeah. before and uh, going back to no no it was led zeppelin led zeppelin the original name for them was um the New Yardbirds, but they turned it into Led Zeppelin. And the the name Led Zeppelin apparently came from Keith Moon because he was asked to join them, but he didn't. And another feature that I'd like to ask you two guys about, if you go back to that era, because most of the leading bands possibly would have met at school or met at art college, they were not... Uh, confected, they weren't uh, artificial and they went on to become very very successful, but what you found I used to love, I think it would be in the Rolling Stone magazine, you could have what were called rock family trees and you you could take an individual and he or she they might have played for five or six leading bands, are you with me? If you look at Jimmy Page for example, like a lot of you know excellent guitarists who were around at the time, they made a lot of money prior to becoming really famous, being session musicians. And Jimmy Page probably would have played on half the blooming top ten hits in the previous five years, are you with me? But when when I saw Led Zepp, they were very, very... It was very, very early in their career, and Robert Plant mentioned that he he only recently played in a different band called Band of Joy. And he, Robert Plant, is what? He must be 75 now, still gigging. And he, I think his current band is called the Band of Joy, so he's gone full circle. But again, an incredibly charismatic front person. And what's interesting, people always look bigger on stage, don't they? I didn't realise, I, I think he's five foot six, which when you look at the later bands, you know, say like Guns N' Roses yeah. around that era, you, you, you probably would have had somebody, you know, easily six foot with muscles and everything, but... Uh, have you ever seen Led Zeppelin on you know, old footage? I say I have. Probably have. Not like That yeah. springs to mind. The big thing with Led Zeppelin was they did not. They deliberately didn't produce singles. They only made LPs. And they um, preceded Prince in a way. It's probably some contractual dispute. One one of their albums, later albums, just had symbols. And I think the earlier ones were called Led Zepp 1, Led Zepp 2, blah, blah, deliberately just to... Are you familiar with the album covers? The next time we meet, I've got uh, various album covers uh, we can talk about and and LPs. So the third band, and... I'll link it in with the 27 Club. The third band I saw at Mothers that really blew me away were Canned Heat, which we talked about can't, before. Can't beat. Canned Heat. <laughs> Canned Heat and... Uh, the sound band. band. <laughs> what, what I really, really remember, because oddly, despite uh, some British bands having virtuoso players like the two bands I've mentioned, American bands, A, they seem to have better equipment. I think that's yeah. accurate. B, they seem to be much more professional, they seem to be much better rehearsed and so on and so forth. But when I saw Canned Heat, an amazing uh, guitar player, he was called Blind Owl. Blind Owl. Blind Owl. Bl- I'll talk about Blind Owl next time. Um, the amplification, oddly, despite what I've said, broke down. And they had this enormous. Uh, he must have been 20 stone even then. He looked like uh, a mountain man. You know, big bushy beard um, and probably 20, you yeah, know, massive, yeah. massive weight on him. And the equipment went and he played, he sang this song in this booming operatic voice without any amplification. Oh, wow. And Blind Al played, uh, obviously, an acoustic guitar in the background, like a slide guitar. Yeah. You, yeah. Slide guitar is something from the era. Do you remember slide?
0: No, I know what you mean. Though. Any
1: bands you've seen, that would they have had a slide guitarist? Probably not. Maybe, but he, he had the audience in in the palm of his hand. And he stood there. And uh, if, if you check out Canned Heat, I mean, it's very, very dated now. They played Boogie, so it's really driving rhythm, yeah? It, it was fantastic. I think most of Canned Heat are dead now. And uh, next time, if it's okay with you, I'll I'll talk a little bit more about the, unfortunately... Pervasive culture of getting wasted and taking various stuff, and what it meant for you know the more excessive uh, individuals in in the music rock industry who who didn't you know, didn't get to their 30s. It was a really interesting era, and I, and I think um, if you spoke to a serious historian of popular culture. I think you definitely look back on it as a time of degeneracy. I'd I'd, I'd use that word very advisedly, but I I think it was. And I, I think subsequently, like your generation, I think you have, up to a point, learned from those mistakes. I've got loads of stuff here about LSD. I find it really quite incredible around that era. Many kids were persuaded to as it would have been called then, drop acid. And what really interests me kind of socially about that is how do you reach a level of influence where you can persuade thousands of kids to take something so potentially dangerous? Are you with me? Yeah, yeah definitely. It's amazing. Yeah. I mean, how does that work? Because don't forget, there was no MTV. There were no Walkmans. It, as you know, it was print journalism and so on and so forth. But it was a big influence, a big influence, so that, that's the next podcast. Is that it is. OK? It's
0: quite interesting to think about, yeah. especially when you compare it today with like... See,
1: I was going to say, like, social media is always no. talked about as being... Sort of like, no, but rough. I feel now that if... Uh, it's you... just a rotation. Bit. Well, you know, I, I, was, I was a little bit too old seriously working as well. I mean, I knew Sean Ryder. Bands like them, Stone Roses and so on, they, they really built up the rave culture. And a big part of rave culture was around, not acid, but obviously ecstasy. Yeah which is kind of, if you want, a milder variant of acid. So things do come around. Because you guys you know, want to know about this kind of stuff, I, I've been collecting very recent articles from you know, serious heavy newspapers about possibly integrating acid uh, microdose as a form of therapy. So it is cyclical. Things do go around. OK, I'm going to have my dinner now. No, yeah at a time. Yeah, I'm going to have my dinner. OK.
0: Well, everyone, we're going to leave it there for now with Peter tootling off to enjoy his dinner. Now, as I was editing this episode, Alex, my fiancé, was within earshot and she joked about how everything my dad discusses about music, she probably knows more than me. And I will admit that it's very true. You can definitely tell throughout the episodes dad is the knowledgeable one. Chris a strong second with his knowledge and me trailing far behind. But I am learning and we hope you are too. So I'm going to make that my little call to action with this outro. You know, have you learned anything about the 1970s music scene through this podcast? You might be of that generation that just didn't know. Or are you a younger listener and my dad's blowing your mind because you grew up thinking it was just hippies. But there's actually more to it than that. Or like Peter, you might just want to brag about all the bands you saw before they made it big. And you know the best way to do it. If you're on social media, you can go to Twitter and use the handle at a pint with Peter. Or if social media isn't your thing, you can use our email, a pint with Peter at gmail.com. Trust me when I say dad really enjoys receiving your emails. And as always, if you could leave a little five star review on Apple podcast, that would be great because it just helps the podcast get noticed. And of course, my last little plug for the buy us a coffee or as we call it, buys a pint. You might help fund better recording equipment so you don't have to hear my mum cooking in the background. I was just about to do my final sign off, but I remembered with this episode, seeing as we've chatted about some amazing bands, I wanted to throw some music in at the end because I quite enjoyed doing that and Spotify didn't take down the episode. So let's keep doing it. So I'm going to end it with The Who, which we did discuss in this episode and Pinball Wizard. So everyone, thanks for listening and enjoy The Who and on to the next one.
2: to meet him all. He stands like a statue, becomes part of the machine. Fingers, never seen him fall. That kept dumb a flying gear. Sure plays a beam pinball. fall.